Bibles to Genesis chapter 8. If you have a red Bible in front of you, which are found in the pews, it's page 8. If you'd like to look at that, page 8, Genesis chapter 8. And what we are doing here is that we are continuing our study through uh, the Bible. Gospel Folio, Folio puts on this program. And we are now in Genesis, and we're following uh, the book of Genesis. And so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 8 and 9. But before we do, as far as one other announcement, um, the volleyball tournament, right? I'm just going to point this laser at right above Carrie, but she's right there. I don't want her to get nervous. But right above her head, there's a sign-up sheet. If you're interested in playing, because today is the deadline, we like to make the teams and, um, and put people out on different teams. And so it gives me an idea if you actually are going to be playing. Um, the youth group has already gone through. So if you'd like to come, you're welcome to come. But if you'd like to play, just make sure you put your name up on there so I do know. All right, so Genesis chapter 8. Let's just uh, open a word of prayer and then we'll read. Our Father, we just ask you that, we, that you'd open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law. In Lord Jesus' name, do pray. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 8. And verse 1, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle, and those were with them in the ark. And, God's, and God caused the wind to pass over the earth, and the water was subsided. And the fountains of the deep and the floodgates and all the sky, uh, and the floodgates of all the sky were closed, and the rain from the sky was restrained, and the water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the, the water dis, uh, decreased. And in the seventh month and on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark rested on, mount, on the mountains of Ararat. But the water decreased steadily until the tenth month, and in the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Then it came about on the end of forty days that Noah opened a window uh, of the ark which he had made, and he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove from, from him, and to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, so she returned to him um, into the ark and the water, uh, uh, for the water on the surface of all the earth. And then he put his hand out and took, her, uh, and took her and brought her into the ark himself. Then he waited yet another seven days, and he sent out a dove from the ark. And the dove came to him toward evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf, so Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. And yet he waited another seven days and sent out a dove, and she did not return to him again. And it came about in the six hundredth and first year, in the first month of the first day, that the water was dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering from the ark and looked, and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. And in the second month of the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth was dry. And the Lord spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and all your, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you, and bring out every living, every living thing of all the flesh that is with you, birds and animals, creeping things, and that creeps on the earth, and they might breed abundantly uh, on the earth, and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And Noah went out, and his sons and his wives and his sons' wives with them, and every beast and every creeping thing and every bird, and everything that moves on the earth went out by their families from the ark. 
Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took a clean animal from every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man's uh, on the account of man for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done while earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter the day shall not cease and then we'll read a couple of verses from 9 9 1 says God blessed Noah and said to him be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and the fear of you and terror will be upon every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky and everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand they are given everything that moves uh, every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you and I will give it to you as I gave the green plant only you shall not eat the flesh that is uh, flesh with its life that is its blood for I will surely require uh, your lifeblood from every beast I will require it require it and every man from every man's brother I will require the life of man Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For he is in the image of God, and he, uh, for he is in the image of God, he made man. And as for you, be fruitful, multiply, populate the earth abundantly, and multiply it. All right, as we know, and then actually for, because we'll reference this, read one more verse, just one verse. You know it well in Hebrews 11, we heard about Enoch. By faith, but Noah is mentioned here. It says eleven seven. By faith Noah, being warned of God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, and he condemned the world, and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. And so, wrapping up this conclusion of this story of the flood and Noah and worldwide destruction, you know. Um, <clears throat> This story, if you were to tell people, most people honestly probably have heard something about it. And it was even, if you look in even the psychopedias, it's been mentioned. But over time, you know, as man uh, is suppressing the truth and moving as far away as God, from God as he can, this has gone out of history. You know, they'll, they'll write it off. And uh, even back in not too long ago, you know, when this country was first founded, you know, it was, they did the measurements, they took the measurements that were mentioned here in Scripture and said, it is possible that every living animal could have fit in the ark. And then, you know, a hundred years later, another revision came out and they said, well, maybe just the animals in that, in that area could have fit in the ark. And then another revision came out and said, oh, it's completely impossible. You know, this could have never happened. The, the dimensions, it could have never float, it would have broke apart, and this story, you know, just doesn't exist, except... You know, it's over three chapters here that God is dealing with this. And there's something to be learned about this story. And one is, is at the beginning of time, is in this book, from the creation, only five chapters away, God is already dealing with sin in a worldwide way. Before he cast out man out of the garden, you know, there was, there was a... There was a, a direct punishment for his disobedience. Now he's dealing with the world as a whole. I mean, this should really shock us because, listen, the Bible also talks about that later, you know, they, they, in, 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 in today, if you talk to anybody about where the world is heading, we know as believers 
that this present world is reserved for fire. Second Peter says this, right? And it says, even in Noah's day, that it escaped their notice while Noah was preaching over a hundred years when he was building this ark and their give and take, you know, we're going to look at a timeline in a second. This is give and take that he was preaching that there's going to be judgment. Sin has to be punished. God is not pleased with this. And, and, and the fact that God would, would wait and patiently wait and, and that, that they would come into the ark and be saved. But the present world, it says, that world was made from water and by water. It says it escaped their notice that this, this fact that God created the earth. And then one day, the floodgates opened. Everything died except for eight people and the animals that were in the ark. And so God dealt with sin. So this is a very serious story. But as we look at this, I just, I just found this pretty interesting. Is actually um, timelining what exactly happens in, this, uh, in, in the ark story. Now, of course, we don't have years. Um, some people, if you look in your own Bible, they might put some about times in B.C. when this actually happened. But according to Noah's life, because it says here in 13, it says in about the 601st year, what, it's not the 601st year of the earth's age. It's actually Noah's age. And so we're going to do it by Noah's life. Now, you can't see it, but I put it very small down here. It's my own disclaimer. It says, I will not bet anything valuable against this. So you've got to keep this in mind that this is something that I used, especially when we come to these underlined times that I use mathematics, it's not something I would hold to. It's not that scripture said it, but it does give us an idea when things happened. One thing to keep in mind, it's about Noah was in the ark about over a year. Just over a year he was in that ark with the animals, the smelly, everything. Just think about it like that. Um, so in Genesis 6, when this all begins, the corruption of mankind, and talking about man rebelling and and, and, um, and we, we looked at it last week, but man is uh, spiraling out of control, right? They've disconnected themselves from life itself. They disconnected from God. The relationship was severed, right? Sin has entered in and they're spiraling out of control. Not quite, uh, not quite as different as we see today. Man's spiraling out of control, but um, God cannot tolerate sin, right? And so he says that he's going to destroy the earth. He reveals it to Noah because he's found grace in his eyes. We heard about that this morning. There was nothing in Noah. It says it also in Hebrews that Noah became an heir of righteousness, but he also condemned the world in the same sense. So he was that person that would obey God's command, would condemn the world. For the, He'd be a picture for everybody that would disobey God, right? He condemned the world, but also he would be a picture of those who would receive God's command, respond to God's grace and love, and ultimately be uh, uh, saved out of that. And so Noah receives the command, Genesis 6, 13. That we know is a fact. I don't have the exact year. As it, this is the dividing line, so it's prior to the 600 year of Noah's life. But also, First Peter talks about this, mentions Noah many times in this, as we already talked about the uh, present world being reserved for fire. But the during the construction of the ark, um, the patience of God, it says, kept waiting. What was it waiting on? Was it waiting for Noah to start building the ark? No, no. He was already building it. He was. It says that Noah, another word for him, as well as, as a builder, as an engineer, as he was, he was also a preacher of righteousness. 
And so he was preaching to that un, uh, uh, that ungodly generation. Be saved. Be saved. Be saved. Worldwide judgment. Keep in mind, guys, though it, uh, from what we know from Scripture, it has never rained. They didn't know what that was. There was a mist, it says, that came up and watered the ground as we would know what rain would do today. So they've never heard of it. And so they, they said, oh, that's, you know, you can imagine what they would say. Oh, that's never going to happen. You know, that's never going to happen. Much like today. Oh, the, the way the earth is just going as it normally does. Sun, moon, seasons. Actually, in this, in this chapter, we learn that God will continue seasons. That you can bank on, right? There's not going to be something that's going to blow up the world by man's intervention. God's going to continue the sun and moon, the distance between everything that's going to be, uh, uh, as we know it, the, uh, the summer, moon, uh, excuse me, summer, winter, fall, and spring, those things are going to continue. Those things are going to continue. But something was going to intervene and rock their world, and this was going to be a flood. Be saved out of it. This next time, though, the present age that we're living in is reserved for fire. And so what we see and know is going to be burned up. Something that we perhaps wouldn't even consider in our own mind. Maybe, you know, we look at man's own imagination and maybe there's going to be nuclear fire, but we're talking about the entire universe, material universe that we know, burned up because God has, has, is going to create something new. But back to our story. So the patience of God kept waiting. Is the patience of God waiting today? Absolutely. Absolutely, And if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your, as your Savior today, you can, in that way, as Noah got into that ark and was saved, you can come into and be saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be saved from that present destruction that's going to happen yet in the future. And so the patience of God kept waiting. So when did this all start? Well, in, our, in the chapter before, um, in the second month of the 17th day. Now, I got this because the second... Uh, month of the uh, tenth day, excuse me, the seventeenth day is mentioned in seven. He tells God tells Noah to go into the ark, enter in. He's going to shut the door. But the week before, it says seven days before, it says take all the animals and enter in. So there was this time frame where God says go in the ark. Whether he was gathering the animals, they, um, you know, and some of this, you know, even you're thinking about how how did he get all these animals? Well, that's that's. A, by faith, right? By faith, Noah did these things. And so he didn't have to worry about that. However, God decided to bring those animals. He is the creator. They were to obey him. Um, that It happens. So second month, tenth day, and then some other highlights. In the third month, the 24th day after he's already in the ark, the rain actually ends. It says it rained 40 days. And so, again, this is just a calculation. But then in the seventh month in the, in the ninth day, the water prevailed for 150 days. That means that the water was just coming in. It was like a flood. If you ever seen those pictures we were watching the other day of the tsunami, some people were videotaping from Japan, and it'd just be like a little water. And then they look up and they look down and it would be like a torrent, water prevailing. And so that was happening on a worldwide scale. Then in the seventeenth month, on the, uh, the seventh month on the seventeenth day, the ark actually rests. The water started subsiding, rests on the mountain of Ararat. And then on the tenth day in the first month, the mountaintops are visible. Noah can see them, right? He's still in the ark, but he, they're still uh, he, they're visible. Not long after, the end of forty days, Noah uh, sends out a raven. After that happens, he wants to send out a recon, right? There's no uh, <laughs> there's no uh, satellite imagery. 
right? So how, what's the best thing he could do? Well, he sends out a bird. Let's see if the bird actually finds somewhere that can uh, rest. And then there's a time frame of about, you know, there's seven days. The dove, he sends out three times after the last time. It doesn't come back. And so on the first month of the first day of the 600th and first year of Noah's life, the ark, um, Noah removes the covering. He sees the surface is dried. Now, whether he sees the, the mountains are dry, I think that's what he sees because ultimately there's still some time he's still in the ark. The covering's not there. God says, go out. You know, finally he gets the command. He's in the ark still and the, the door's gone. And he tells Noah to go out. And the second month on the 27th day, so a little over a year, but the earth was dried up and Noah is told to leave the ark. And so looking at some of the highlights, um, we like to look at um, some of the things because um, there's not that much time and there's a lot of to cover. But one of the things that we are re, um, that God reveals us to is God reveals Himself in this way that He worked in this timeline. Right? There's this. He creates things. He sees things are good. Man rebels. He's sorry. It says that he's grieved in his heart that he made man. And then he, he tells Noah to get in the ark, and then there's this flood, and then it says in 8, it says, God remembered Noah. Now, I don't know about you, but if you ever come across these things, you think, what does that actually mean? If God remembers, you know, does that mean that God also forgets? Right? And so the beginnings of these things and in, in the personification that is projected, we have this term anthropomorphic, which is a theology term, but uh, we actually, it's not necessarily just for the Bible, but in the Bible we'll look at it. But, you know, you look at like a character like Mickey Mouse. You know, he's a giant, first of all, he's a giant mouse. That shouldn't exist. But also he talks and laughs and he makes kids, you know, whatever. So that's something that are human, that uh, uh, only humans could, uh, qualities that humans would do, they're projected on something that is inanimate that shouldn't be doing that, right? That's the idea. But when it talks about the Bible, talking about God and, and deity projecting human things that we would only think forgetting, seeing, reaching his hand out. He says that he brought Israel out with a strong hand. Um, these are things that are projected upon him for us to understand who he is. Because he is, a, he is a being that operates outside of time, right? So his relation to history from the past is the same as it was now. And so his desire... His desire to judge sin immediately is as much as his desire to be merciful, right? And he wants to do that, right, all the time. But yet we see God in this timeline, and he reveals himself. And so as we look at these things, I, I think maybe it can t uh, uh, reveal something about God and, and the way that he is. And as we look at these things and not to think that he is somebody that can forget. The verse behind the, the screen is covering it. One of the things, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Another powerful verse to see what, who God is like. Isaiah 46, 10. It says this. It says, declaring the end from the beginning. This is God speaking of himself. From ancient times, which things are to have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. And so those are things that we know about God, omniscient, right? He's all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. He establishes His way. The earth 
And our history and our timeline is moving towards what he has designed it to be. There's nothing that he, uh, uh, that's happening that escapes his notice. And so when we come across something where it says God remembered Noah, there's this idea that while God was, was displeased with the way man was, there was mercy shown in grace, right? Noah got in. And then there's God changing, turning his attention to bringing Noah out of that situation, right? It wasn't something pleasant, uh, pleasant right? He was in a boat. But, you know, the animals, the smells, everything else, it wasn't a pleasant thing. He was going to bring Noah out of that and that full uh, promise that he promised uh, Noah that he would be saved. And God remembered Noah. But also, there's something um, as we look at uh, the next one. The Lord smelled. Looking at verse 21, uh, 20 for context sake, it says, Then Noah built an ark and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered up burnt offerings on the altar. And, and the Lord smelled the, smooth, the soothing aroma and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground uh, upon, uh, curse the ground on man's account for the intent of man's heart is evil from, the day, uh, from his youth and, he, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. And so there's something to this um, again, this personification that there's Noah comes out, and what's the first thing that he does, right? Um, God is angry. God uh, repents of that anger, right? He turns, he changes his mind because he desires to be merciful. He saves Noah out. What does Noah do? He goes and worships, right? And that's the lesson that we learn. There is, there's the sin that we've committed against God. God is angry about it. God is also gracious, right? He sent his son. But now God, what is it, the one we're brought into it, where does it bring us to? It brings us to worship. And that's exactly where Noah's at right here. He, brings, he says that he offers up every clean animal, uh, every bird, or every clean animal, every clean bird, and offered up in a burnt offering. It doesn't say how many, but it's the idea that Noah put everything out there. He said, you know what? Looking at whatever he saw when he came out, but he just realized that he was the last person literally on earth, him and his family, right? Uh, God done away with everything, and, and he brought him through it. God was uh, uh, faithful to his promise. And it says here that the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. This, this term, we actually hear that more in the Old Testament than we do in the New. Um, the next couple of books, you'll find it over you know, 40 times about where the Lord, there's things that are offered up. And it's the idea that um, well, as you come into a house, you know, you want to smell something good, right? If there's a soothing to it. And, and, and that God would desire the worship of man, right? And it would be a soothing aroma to him. So much so that um, it says here that God, while Noah was doing this on earth, God did something in heaven. And it's only recorded for us to see this. You know, we don't know what it says that God spoke to himself. He says, I will never again curse the ground upon man's account for the tent of his heart is always evil. And so what does that actually mean? You remember, Adam was cast out because of he disobeyed, right? The ground was cursed because of him. He had to toil and sweat. But there now God says, you know, this will never happen again. I'll never destroy everything. While the earth remains, the present earth, seed time, harvest, summer, heat, I mean, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And so God made a covenant with him. And he hasn't revealed it yet. 
But he says that he will never destroy everything because of the account of man, right? He decided to have grace, as we learned this morning, we were hearing, he had grace on him because of this soothing aroma. Now, the, full, the fullness of this covenant is actually found in the next one. Um, he's, he gives uh, Noah an actual reminder. Uh, we didn't read it, but we'll read it now. It says I, in verse 11, 9, 11, it says, I will establish my covenant with you and all flesh uh, and with all flesh and I will, I will never be cut off by water of the flood. Neither shall again be a flood to destroy the earth. And this is a sign of the covenant which I make in between me and you. Every living creature that is with you and all successive generations, I will set my bow in the, in the cloud and I will be a sign. And it shall be a sign for the covenant between me and you and the earth. And so... We see that even today, right? The rainbow, it's something nice. And it's something as if it, it, it just appears out of nowhere. How does that, you know, where does that come from? Well, as you would look at it now, some thousands of years after, we can know, well, well what is that? That's a sign that God will never again destroy the earth with water, right? We heard of, uh, 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 and we've seen in the recent you know, history of tsunamis, devastation that water can bring. But God will never again do that. And as we look at the rain and it starts uh, rising up, we can see that bow and remember that God has promised that he'll never do that again. But going back to the Lord smelling and the soothing aroma, there is one instance of it in the New Testament. And it talks about that there is another soothing aroma. And when this soothing aroma was when the Lord smelled it, that he would be enacted to do something as well, but not, not in the same way. But it says this in Ephesians 5, verse, read verse 1 for context. Therefore, be imitators of God and, and as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us that, uh, as an offering and as a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And so as the Lord smelled that uh, uh, offering, when Noah uh, offered up those animals, right? Something died, something uh, uh, died. There was worship. And God would be enacted in heaven to do something. He would never again punish the ground. As Christ would offer up himself, it'd be a fragrant, it says, describes it as a fragrant aroma. Well, what does that mean? God will never again bring the punishment of sin upon us. It's been dealt with at the cross, right? And as we're in Christ... It even says this, that in Corinthians, that we, 2 Corinthians, we are walking around and the fragrance of Christ is diffusing everywhere we walk. It's for life for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and it's for death for those who choose not to be. And so if you're a believer this morning, right, praise the Lord, you're walking around, it's the fragrant aroma of Christ. As God would look down, he sees his, uh, that aroma diffusing, right, everywhere. As you're walking around, you're preaching, you're a testimony to God's grace, right, of God bringing you into something that you did not deserve. But God did something and he acted on his own, right? God the Son came and died for your sins. He died in your place. He saved you. He's bringing you to heaven. And the fragrant aroma of Christ is in and around everywhere you're at. The unbelievers are seeing it too. But also, um, it speaks to us as a sign that God will never again punish us for the sin that we've committed, right? The fragrant aroma has a sacrifice that God was ultimately in, in pleased. It's the idea of soothing, right? God was, was 
was pleased with that sacrifice, and that will never again come to his mind, right? And the punishment uh, of, of, of the sin that rightfully he wanted to, and he did, right? It came out upon his son that deserved for us, he poured it out on his son, right? And so just some, just some things of personification. When we come across these things uh, and what they mean, the Lord has revealed these things to us to, 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 to let us know about him, but also how he works, uh, being the timeless and eternally one, the one who knows the end from the beginning, whose purpose will be established. And then just one more, as we're wrapping up another beginnings that we see here, is the institution of capital punishment. I mean, this is a pretty hotbed topic too, right, today. We're actually moving away from it. But in, in, in 9.6 it says, Whoever sheds man, man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for he is in the image uh, for he is in the image he made uh, image of God he made man and so there was such out of control violence God decided to try something new he tried government right by man's blood if man sheds blood by man he shall shed that person's blood and so there's going to be capital punishment God has given that to man to curb the violence that is going on in this earth we're out of control right and it's not a surprise today that you'll see people right that you visibly you can see them uh, uh read about that uh, and, and see the evidence and maybe you weren't there but they shed people's blood it seems like they get off clean right but that responsibility has been given to man to bring capital punishment to sh- to curb the violence right and it seems that as the more as we get away from the lord and as more as uh, as as the world, so to speak, not uh, not the believer, right? As the world is getting away and they're suppressing the truth, Romans 1 talks about this, suppressing the truth, we see a removal of the things that God has, has given man to do. One is, is being uh, uh, capital punishment. And so just some thoughts. Uh, there is a lot to, uh, to look in this, but as we look at this, I think there's revealing about who God is. One, um, when God created everything, he saw that it was good, right? Man entered in and rejected God's authority. They said, well, we're going to go out and gonna go, we're going to establish our own authority, right? And they sinned, right? They, they desired to do something that God told them not to do. There's destruction and, and, and death that enters in, something God never intended upon man. Five chapters later, God's already destroying the entire world. Right? It's serious, right? Sin is serious. And while it escapes our notice today, the common man, well, guess what? The world in itself is going to be destroyed by fire later. But God has also provided, in that day as he provided salvation through that ark, God has provided salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's revealed by, by him remembering, right? He, now he's, he's, he's putting to the forefront on, on his mind the grace and his mercy he desires to show. And the, the sacrifice of his son is well sufficient to save you and I, to save the entire world, right? It's a soothing aroma to God, what Christ has done. Something that is in the past, but that has everlasting effects. And so if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and your sin has been weighing on your mind, and the conviction of your own sin, and the punishment, you don't know what your future is going to be like. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ can save you from that. He has taken the penalty upon himself. And then ultimately, we see that 
God is not done with man, right? There's a covenant and there's signs. And, and the rainbow is a picture that God will never again do this. But we also have the promise that God will come again and that He will take us home. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, He'll take you home and He's going to be uh, uh, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, right? There's going to be something brand new, something that won't be tainted with sin, and that's reserved for those who believe Him. And so just a couple of thoughts from Genesis uh, 8 and 9, the story of Noah, and then maybe we'll just close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we just thank You for this day, and we thank You now for this uh, time that we had looking into Your Word, and we just thank You that it's Your mind revealed to us, Lord. You are a being who is far beyond anything that we can understand. But, Lord, you have chosen to reveal yourself uh, in various ways, and we just thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us to understand it. In Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.